I'm Josh Sigmund, and I'm a mortgage lender. I'm also a geek for money, not just earning it and saving it, but literally everything about it. I love that money has rules. It has its truths. I love investment strategies, and I love making money work for us. For so many, money is emotional. For me, it's logical, like a puzzle. My passion is also helping others with their money. I love looking at people's finances, dissecting their puzzle, and rebuilding with strategy and purpose, and I'm really good at it. I'm making this podcast about my money strategies, not the things that are written in books or sold in programs. It's a podcast outlining the lessons I've learned and used for the past 15 years. These strategies help me and those who use them save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. Let me teach you how to build your net worth. You ready? Welcome to Sigmund Sense. Hello, hello, hello. It's Josh Sigmund, ready to do another podcast of Sigmund Sense. And uh, I haven't gone completely crazy yet, uh, but I think this is our third episode we've recorded while on self-quarantine. So once again, I am sitting in an empty room speaking to myself, uh, wondering if anyone's listening out there. One thing that's come out of this, I've decided I can never go to jail because at least at uh, home, I can walk out of the house into the backyard. Uh, and, and that alone is driving me nuts. So I know I can't go to a small box. It just wouldn't work for me. Um, and I've, I, am, I found some gold. I was able to find Clorox wipes. And so I carry this around with me to touch doorknobs and stuff when I have to go to a, a podcast. But today I want to talk about something that all of you that are working from home or are stuck at home have time to finally do. And it's really, I want to teach people how to build out an actual budget. And I want to make it as basic as possible. Uh, because I think, uh, as I've said in a previous episode, that a lot of times the main hangup to actually starting a budget is either time or or a billion other excuses. But uh, we all have more time at home, so there are no excuses today. But I'm going to make it super simple because I don't want it to, to be a complex thought. And really the basics of a budget to make it super simple to start with is you just have to track everything. And when I say everything, all I mean is you need to understand on a monthly basis, without exception, how much money is actually hitting your bank account and how much is going out in the same period of time, month over month, okay? So for easy discussion, what that means is, is that if you have net deposits to your bank account of 4,000 bucks, there's your income to your bank account. And then uh, if you're in a positive cash flow scenario, you'd have less than 4,000 bucks going out in the same 30 days. And so that's the basic building blocks. And I, I feel like most people at least understand that thought process, but that's usually where it, where it stops. You know, I actually remember uh, having some conversations with, uh, with, with Christy um, uh, early on in our, our relationship. And the way that she budgeted was just to open up the, uh, her bank account, you know, when, it, when you could first check online with your phone and she just check every day and make sure there was money in there. And if there's money in there, she would spend it. If there wasn't money in there, she didn't spend money. Um, and so that's a, a guiding principle. So, uh, where do you start? Well, I would say step one is pick one day every month that is the same day every month to recreate, relook at and evaluate your budget. So that's start there. So I don't care if it's the first or the 15th, the 30th of the month. I don't care what day it is. I don't care if it's the first Saturday or the third Tuesday, but pick a day that's a recurring event every single month because the more consistent you are with it, the easier it becomes to really understand what's really happening with your money. Okay. 
So once you've done that, the second thing you've got to do is uh, I would just print up all your bank statements. If you have one, great. It's easy. If you have 30, it's more complex. And print up out all of these statements of your credit cards. Some of you guys haven't looked at your sta- the statements of your credit cards for way too long. And it's impossible to really understand where you can tweak and improve your budget scenario if you don't actually line item go through each spin- expenditure on a monthly basis. So just print up everything. Uh, and, and also the third piece would be print up actual, have a hard copy of your most recent paycheck if, you're, if, you're, if you earn paychecks. So the idea is that if you're at least looking at it at one time, and I've got a, a you know, whether you get one paycheck or 30 paychecks in a month, depending on how you're paid, now you can just add it up and tally it. And now you know, okay, this is how much I, I earned between me and my spouse or just myself. Then you can look at the next line item and make sure that whatever those deposits were actually match what the bank statement reflects. So you can see, okay, the money actually all made it in. And I can't tell you how many times I personally, you know, I get a lot of rent checks and weird stuff, hard money loans, things like that. And there are months every once in a while that I, I, I don't receive a check from something or I fail to deposit it. And then when I, when I finally reconcile it, I figure that out. Because I'm looking at it, I'm able to go back and dig it out and figure out where it's at and to make sure that money's accounted for. So that's why I would tell you, like, don't just look at your paycheck, make sure it actually made it as a deposit. Believe it or not, HR departments and payroll departments do make mistakes. So you've got to look at that uh, occasionally as well. And shoot, you might have gotten a a bonus from your boss and you didn't even have the courtesy to say thank you because you didn't know there was a bonus because the bonus was on your paycheck and they assumed that you would just look at your paycheck, right? Um, Wishful thinking, but who knows? Um, Past that, the next step is, is that you've got to decide what tool you're going to use to organize your thoughts. So what I mean by that is, I don't care if it's a good, good old-fashioned yellow tablet that is the, the only use for that one tablet is for your, your budget. So don't give yourself the excuse of, I don't have the software, I don't have the form. That's all just an excuse. So you can easily just start with a yellow, uh, yellow tablet if people still buy those anymore. Uh, if you're a little bit more tech savvy, maybe just use an Excel spreadsheet. Um, obviously, for small businesses, a lot of people will use you know uh, QuickBooks or something like that. And if you'd like to use a, a, a basic form I've used for years, uh, I've got a old school personal family budget that I'll make sure is available by a link. So you can use that as well. It's something that was provided to me by a coaching program called the Core Training that I've been a part of for 12 years to, to kind of evaluate where my money is. And so the point is pick a tool and just stick with it because the longer you stick with the same tool, the better and easier it will get, meaning the faster you'll be able to go through a budget and it means something. Uh, because the early on stages of just building it out are what usually takes the most time, okay? The next thing I think is super important is to understand it, that, um, you know, what hits your bank account matters differently depending on if you are a W-2 earner or if you're possibly self-employed or 1099 income. The reason why I say that is for 80% of Americans that's a W-2 employee, Whatever they get their bank account is their money. You know, if they did the correct withdraws pre-tax for taxes, you know, picking uh, their exemptions, a zero, one, two, whatever you picked up front, then in theory, the taxes are being taken care of ahead of time. So you don't have to think about it. And what hits your bank account is your money. Okay. Um, for a lot of Americans though, that are either a 1099, a commission base or a self-employed person, or maybe receive tips. You do need to also realize that just because it's in your account doesn't mean it's all your money because Uncle Sam wins. They get Trump card. They get the money first. 
And so depending on which, you know, which avenue you're in, what I would say as a rule of thumb is, uh, first of all, I'm not a CPA. So talk to your CPA if you want specific advice for your scenario. But as a rule of thumb, at least set aside if you're self-employed or uh, 1099, whatever last year's tax bracket was that you pay taxes on. So whether it's 20% or 35% or 42%, set aside that money as soon as it hits your bank, aside into a separate tax account based on last year's tax bracket. Don't count that in your budgeting because that is not your money. That is the government's money. So siphon that off, put it into a separate account. So you're really just dealing with the brass tax of what do you have to play with, okay? If you're that W-2 earner, like I said, it's super easy. You got that check, whatever the net deposit was, goes into your account, and now we're dealing with the same basis of comparison. The simplest way to understand whether you think of it as accounting or budgeting or finance in general is uh, you're going to have deposits and you're going to have withdrawals, okay? What's interesting, what you need to really start to get down to is evaluating what's a mandatory necessary expense versus what are optional, chosen, or just loosey-goosey spending expenses because you want it, right? So what you're looking for is once you've printed off those bank statements and once you've printed off those paychecks and once you've printed off those credit card receipts, or those uh, credit card uh, uh, um, line items for the monthly billing, then what you're gonna wanna do is commit that to paper in as organized as a fashion as possible, meaning especially the for sure recurring expenses would be in what we call, in my world, column one. So create, if it's a yellow piece of paper or an Excel spreadsheet, column one is the title of those monthly recurring expenditures. So for example, uh, column one might include rent or mortgage. It might include your car payment or two car payments or three car payments. It would include, include uh, your Southwest credit card and your Amex. It would include water, electricity, gas, trash, uh, if you have those bills. It would include a budgetary uh, item for at-home cooking, separate of eating out cooking. It would have gas. It would have insurance. It would have uh, private school, if you're paying for private school, it would have kids sports, possibly clothing for kids. Those, those little buggers are, are super expensive, right? Uh, it would have a budget possibly for saving for vacation. If you have some discretionary items you want to set aside and then there would be miscellaneous. Okay. So the first titles are the ones that for you in your world, you must pay. It's going to happen every month anyways. So let's go ahead and create that category for it because it's important to understand what that is. Column two, so, and by the way, you're not going to remember, like gym membership would be on there. If, you, if you've set up a Amazon uh, recurring cost or a uh, iTunes recurring cost or a cable cost, if you still do cable or satellite, those would all be the things I'm, I'm referring to. And you've got to separate it out because what a lot of people do is they say, well, I've got plenty of money, especially the more that you make, the easier it is to not care about a small or, or seemingly sp- small expense. And so it's just kind of jumbled into credit card. Credit card bill, thousand bucks. So what I'm spending on, I don't really know if I can afford thousand bucks. Like that's how people think. So you got to break those out into all those recurring costs. That is column one. Okay. Column two is what the minimum payment required would be. Okay. So for example, if, if column one says rent, then column two would be, if it's rent of 1200 bucks, column two says $1,200. 
And so what you would do with that is you would go down every single budgetary item again that has a fixed payment, car payment, 350 bucks. Um, you would use last month's actual gas payment or water payment or electricity payment or cable payment or gym payment. All those things line item you would go down based on last month's actuals or using an average if you've established that over time. Um, for, uh, for areas like um, food, eating out, bar tabs, uh, miscellaneous expenses, you have to pick a number that is reasonable based on your income that you agree to live within most of the time. So for example, if you're a family of one, you know, is it reasonable to, exp- to spend no more than 500 bucks a month on food for the house, you know, 125 bucks a week? People can do that. You know, maybe you are a amazing cook and you're trying out a new recipe every single day and throwing it out every night and not eating, uh, you know, leftovers. And you have a family of five, it might be a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks a month for those, for that food item line item. But you've got to pick something. Um, remember, it's about progress, not perfection. But that's what budgeting is about, is trying to figure out what your uh, world requires versus what is optional. So we can make adjustments down the road if you think it's reasonable or out of range, right? So let's just say arbitrarily round one first budget, I might say, well, I've got two kids. So let me go ahead and put down 750 bucks for all food costs. Uh, based on what I think I spend at Costco and HEB. And, uh, you know, I, I know I've got to buy clothes for for business and personal, and so do my wife and kids. And so maybe it's reasonable to put aside an extra 400 bucks a month as an average because there's some months that are heavier than others. You know, back to school, super expensive, but most months it's next to nothing. But then again, I've got, you know, dress up for ha- Halloween or Easter or Christmas. But there's got to be something that you're trying to work within so that you can account for it. And maybe you're a family that wants to do a, a one vacation a year in the summertime and your budget for that vacation is 2400 bucks to go somewhere and do something awesome at a beach or something. Um, well, then you need to have a line item for 200 bucks a month for to save for that expenditure, okay? My point is column one, everything that is normal or that you want to budget for, student loans would be one I forgot to say. Column two is what the actual payments, uh, minimum payments are the minimum payments. Column three is your reconciliation. And all that means is now I pick the 15th of the month every month to review my budget to go through what actually happened over the last 30 days. Now I'm going bill by bill based on what uh, what the actual gas bill is. Obviously the rent or the mortgage didn't change what my actual insurance bill was. And now I'm filling out as I go down all those bills uh, because I can see, even if it's direct uh, withdrawal or direct, uh, um, you know, a, a, you've got a, a auto pay program, you want to see what actually came out of your bank account and reconcile that against what the budget was uh, so that you can see an outlier, right? Like all of a sudden, mortgage payments do change sometimes. There's something called an, uh, uh, an escrow analysis that usually happens the first quarter of the year. Well, hold on a second. You know, my mortgage payment's been $2,000 for the last nine months. Why am I paying $2,200 a month? Why did that get withdrawn from my account? Well, now you have something to look at and figure out, okay, that's out of range. Maybe I should investigate that. And and you might find that it's correct or incorrect, but at least you know, rather than I have enough money to pay my bills, okay? So column two is what the minimum is. So credit cards, minimum payment might be 20 bucks or 50 bucks. Column three is what you actually paid. That's why I keep saying reconcile. 
So maybe you paid three thousand dollars to to pay off a credit card bill, or maybe you paid five hundred bucks to pay down your credit card debt, or maybe you paid, you know, you use the credit card like the tool it's supposed to be, and you only charge four hundred bucks for gas, and you spent four hundred bucks for gas, and that was it. Uh, that's where the difference between column two and column three is. So for that same mortgage, perhaps the mortgage statement is two hundred bucks. You chose to pay twenty two hundred dollars. So column two would say two thousand. Column three would say 2,200. I, my minimum is 2,000, but I chose to pay 2,200 bucks. That's how you can offset, or you know, maybe you budgeted 500 bucks for food, but you only spent 400 bucks for food. Or you, you budgeted 500, but you actually spent 700. Okay, warning signs. Did I save money elsewhere? Or do I need to make adjustments because really I'm spending 700 bucks a month? That's what you have to be looking at line by line, side by side to see what's out of whack. Where are you winning? Where can you make tweaks? Where are things that, that, you know, that happen to annoy you? A couple of things that annoy me the most for sure are miscellaneous. Miscellaneous crap happens. That, that is the truth. You know, like, shoot, I didn't plan to stock up on 30,000, you know, rolls of toilet paper and Clorox, Clorox and all this stuff. That wasn't in my budget three months ago, but for sure my wife buys, you know, paper towels and, and, uh, and sanitizers and wipes and toilet paper. Every day it seems like I have more of a showing up in my house like so many Americans. That, that might need to be a budget item if this crap keeps up, right? Um, my point is, is that that will give you kind of the, the, that would currently fit into what's called a miscellaneous column because it wasn't budgeted for, but, all, but that miscellaneous number tends to grow. So maybe you have a one-off expenditure like uh, you know, HOA dues are usually only once a year. Maybe it's once a quarter, but lots of time it's once a year. Well, it's not in your budget monthly, but all of a sudden you have a $300 bill you got to pay. Okay, that might fall into miscellaneous for the first time it happens. Um, you might have a uh, deductible for a medical expense that you weren't expecting. You know, your kid fell and broke their arm. Now all of a sudden you've got a $500 deductible that you got to pay or whatever it is that would fall into a miscellaneous item. And so the key is, does it actually make sense or not? Uh, but if that miscellaneous line item is too high compared to what your income is, then I would define it as if you can't really figure out what this $1,000 miscellaneous was or $500 miscellaneous was, if you can't figure it out, it's too much. That's where stuff goes to hide and that is a bleed out of your budget. And so you got to be able to account for it. You just can't be, uh, oh, I withdrew 300 bucks from my ATM. Well, what'd we spend it on? I don't know. Uh, and you'll have that conversation with yourself or with your spouse. Um, that's where the too much uh, tends to be is when you can't re- remember what you spent it on. Um, but there's going to be something in there. So again, if that is out of whack one month, now you're going to dive in deeper and pay better attention to where you're spending your money the next month. It's about gaining inches. You know, one of my mentors, I think I said in a previous podcast, told me years ago, I know how to make you rich. All you got to do is save one more dollar each month and and decrease your spending by one more dollar each month. And over time, earn more do- one more dollar and decrease your spending by one more dollar over time, you'll, you'll win. And I think it's that simple of a concept is if we track it, we know it's real, not what we think, not what we feel, but what's actually real. And then we can make those adjustments. Okay. Chanel, let's go to column four. So again, column one, what's the title of the bill? Column two, what is the minimum payment required? Column and what I'm going to budget for food or whatever budget guessing we're going to do. Column three, what I actually spent in the last 30 days, what the bills were. Column four is your savings column. Okay. 
So this is where this is something we want to we want to see a big number on, right? So I use that example of uh, mortgage payment two thousand dollars, but I paid twenty two hundred dollars. Well, that extra two hundred dollars goes towards a, a decrease in my uh, overall uh, liabilities. It's a decrease in what's owed. So I saved an extra two hundred dollars. Interest will not be accruing on that two hundred bucks I mailed in to decrease my mortgage payment. If I have a credit card that at the beginning of the month had a $1,000 balance and I charged 200 bucks on it, but I paid 500 bucks on it, all of a sudden my, my debt decreased by $300. So I actually saved 300 bucks. And the reason why I wanna point that out is you're affecting positively your net worth. Assets minus liabilities. You are decreased your liabilities by 300 bucks in that case. So that's a savings. Um, don't kid yourself that if you, you know, wrote a ten thousand dollar check to pay off a credit card, but you charged up twelve thousand, you did not save ten thousand. You just spent a lot of money and paid some off, right? Um, so that's why I'm trying to point that that difference out. Another thing that should go in column four are the things we don't see. So some of us have four one ks through our company or money disappearing before the net deposit in the bank. Well, you want to go account for that, and make sure a it's happening, and b see what's happening with your money, but if you're saving 200 or 2000 bucks a month uh, pre-tax that's going into a different account somewhere whether it's a, a 401k or an SCP or an, or an IRA or something like that, that you know it's a pre-tax kind of thing um, that would be in your savings column and the, and also the last piece of what we go into savings column would be if you uh, pay your financial planner which is paying yourself right you send a check for 500 bucks a month to Edward Jones or to Northwestern Mutual. Well, yeah, you wrote the check, but you didn't spend the money. You saved that 500 bucks. You're sending it to a financial institution to increase your net worth. So you would actually write 500 bucks in column three to Edward Jones. I, I wrote a check to Edward Jones for 500 bucks and I saved 500 bucks. That's how you're accounting for it. And the idea is that you want to account for every dollar in to your uh, into your bank you've got to account for every dollar out. It's a zero sum game we're trying to work towards. So that would be column four is your savings. Column five is just your net deposits. So what actually hit your bank account? Net deposit, net deposit, okay? Um, if it is, again, a 1099 or a self-employed person, you would want to add another line item in column one that says tax account. And then that tax account you would, even though you have big deposits, now you can account for whatever 25% of that needs to be moved to a tax account as an expense. For you, that's the truth. If you just net deposit, you're a 1099 business owner, you're, you deposited 10,000 bucks, do not think that you got 10,000 bucks and you saved a lot of money because you're gonna have, you get to pay the piper here at the end of the year. Um, unfortunately, the IRS always wins. So that is the five columns and there are only five columns to think about when it comes to uh, tracking your money. So once you've committed that to paper or committed that to an Excel spreadsheet or committed that into a, uh, an online forum like uh, QuickBooks or something like that, the key is consistency. You wanna use that same form and or format for an extended period of time. Because now when you look at it, it's not trying to refigure out what you had where and what you were filling in where. Now it's as simple as grabbing the numbers out of your bank accounts, grabbing your numbers out of your credit, credit cards monthly and just filling in the data and refreshing it. And that's where the consistency really pays off because then the things that stick out, that's like, oh, what the hell was that number? 
it sticks out like a sore thumb and you can address it. You know, I have a great example. I was looking through my budget uh, two days ago and uh, what I saw was a, uh, a return check for like 300 bucks. And, uh, and, and so I was questioning, I was like, what, what, what was that? Well, what had happened was uh, we had written a $300 check for uh, an expense on a rental property and the money had kind of vaped, like it, it, the, I got feedback from the painter that the money was never received. So we actually had to cancel the check so that just that canceled check showed up. But because we were going through every single line, I was going to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm accounting for everything and everything out. Technically, nothing had gone out. But I was like, whoa, whoa what's this weird form that says, you know, cancel check 300 bucks. I, I could remind myself because I was out of the normal when I was going line by line by line by line by line. Okay. Um, outside of that, now, what do we do with the information or what are some things that this can help you with? Well, the first thing is uh, you got to identify what your survival number is. And I'm telling you right now with people being fur- furloughed and it's not going to happen to me. And then all of a sudden it does. And it matters now more than ever to really understand what does it really take to to make your world go round? And so all you got to do is add up uh, all of column two. You know, what are the minimum expenses I've got to make my household run run around between paying my mortgage and all my bills and keeping my electricity on and all that stuff? Add all that up. That's your survival number. Okay. Um, anything that is a minimum payment. So what would be included in there would be that fifty dollar credit card bill, not the three thousand that you owe, but the fifty dollar minimum payment. Uh, rents easy, mortgage or, or car payments easy, student loans are easy. All those minimum payments are on the statement. That's the guaranteed minimum. So add all that stuff up and what's the minimum to feed yourself and keep the heat on. Use those in your budgetary numbers, but that should help you come up with a $2,000, $4,000 or $8,000 number. So you know what it really takes to operate your, your business, which is your home business. Okay. Um, so that's really f- interesting and fascinating information. And like I said earlier, the goal is just decrease it a little bit. So if you look at that number and it makes you want to puke, uh, which it did me the first several years that I looked at it, uh, what what ended up happening was I just made better decisions because I didn't like that number. And I just didn't like the feeling of having to make a certain amount of money. Um, you know, the feeling goes away and your your life, you, you decrease your stress overall and uh, it's just easier to function daily when that survival number gets lower and lower and lower. So that's the first thing. Second thing you got to look at is what is your percentage saved? And percentage saved is a good number to understand because like I said, and I think episode one, one thing to work on is, you know, uh, can you get yourself up to saving 30% of every deposit? Yes or no? You know, whether it's 5% or 10%, it's better than nothing. But the higher you can get that percentage of your deposit saved, obviously the easier it is to build net worth. I would like to pretend that the more you make, the easier it is to increase that percentage. But what I've found with so many uh, loans that I've done in the mortgage industry is that income is not indicative of a higher savings rate. Um, It is if you're financially sound and make good decisions. But a lot of people that make a ton of money spend it all too. They've already got it all tied up in freaking boat payments and extra big car payments and the Harley payment and the second home payment and that's still all spent. So as a percentage saved, all you've got to do is divide column four by column five. I saved $200 in that mortgage extra. I, I saved an extra $500 paying down that credit card and I saved $1,000 pre-tax to go to my 401k. So I saved $1,700 this month. I divide that by my uh, income, whatever my, my net deposits were. If I saved 10,000 bucks and I, I deposited 17,000 into savings, I saved a 17% savings rate. 
So there's your number, 17%. It's a number, it's a measuring point. And all you're looking for is lots of measuring points over time. So try and turn 17 and 18% next, next month. All that requires is make a little bit more money. And if it's a static income, spend a little less. If you spend a little bit less, you've got money left over. And that's the key is, remember, we all we've accounted for is all the money that uh, is a ongoing specific account uh, payment, a car, a student loan, a credit card. What's left over though, between what is your net deposits and after you've all paid your bills is now you get the last savings line or the last line, which is you get to pay yourself. So Josh gets to pay Josh. And all that means is have a savings account or a money market account to move the money out of your checking account to pay yourself into savings. So let's just say for easy numbers, 10,000 net deposits, $5,500 spent, okay? However I spend it doesn't matter. And I've paid all my bills and there's still $4,500 left over. Well, what I would do is add a line item in column one that says money market at Bank of America. In column two, it would be zero because there, there, uh, there is no minimum payment. In column three, I'd write 4,500 bucks. I paid Bank of America money market, which I happen to own, 4,500 bucks. In column four, I saved. 4,500 bucks. So that's how I'm accounting for every dollar in, every dollar out. At the end of the day, column three must equal column five. That's the only way you know for sure that you've accounted for every dollar. Every deposit needs to equal up to every withdrawal. And if there's money left over, great. You're just paying yourself. Get it out of the checking account that's that's paying you 0.00025%. Get it into a money market or a savings account, something out of your hands because like I told you earlier, I and my wife were guilty too early on of if the money was there, we spent money. If the money wasn't in that checking account, we didn't. So just get it out of the checking account, get it somewhere else where it's not spendable in the moment. Uh, And that's the easiest way to start really getting some traction in your savings of your money. So tracking and understanding just the, uh, the game of what's my percentage saved this month and was it better or worse than last month? Make it a game and get addicted to that. Well, you should also independently track so that you can understand because, you know, sometimes we might only end up being a hundred bucks ahead in the month. You know, you saved a hundred bucks, but it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel like enough. You know, we don't think that a hundred bucks saved for the rest of our career will be enough to retire. So you've got to make sure you're tracking what you've saved year to date. So one of the things that I would add as an extra column at the bottom separate would be these couple of things to help you out. How much did I actually save year to date? All those $100 savings months or $500 savings month and that one $4,500 savings month, what did I save year to date? Because if that number piles up on you over the course of the year, you get the sense of winning. And all it's about is creating that game so you keep on playing the game. No one likes to play a game that you're losing. But if you're decreasing debt, Remember, now you're getting some savings in there. You're decreasing the debt. You're winning. All we want to do is a win a little bit better, win a little bit more week in, week out, month in and month out. And that's why you've got to keep playing the game and tracking that overall bigger number. You also need to track what your combined assets are. All of your cash net worth, which would be checking, savings, money market, you know, 401k, IRA, anything that you have that's liquid or accessible quickly versus uh, your total net worth, which would just be to add in any equity in your real estate or properties, right? Because when you look at that number, you start to get a better feeling over time. You know, week one, month one might be a horrible number. My net worth is negative. 
I owe more than I have. That's a real conversation that I had with myself. And I just didn't like it enough so to get out of debt, right? That's what I, so don't, don't avoid that. Let, you know, you got to look at it once a month and say, it's negative. My net worth is negative. And I want to make it less negative next month. It's still going the right direction, right? So net worth and total net worth are, are two things to track on there. And then another thing I think is super important to track is your giving. You know, um, man, I know a, a couple of super generous people. There's a guy named Chris Haynes that I'm a really good friend with out of Tennessee. His giving goal is 30% or 20%. He gives away 20% of every paycheck, period, end of story. You know, um, that is above and beyond. And uh, what I love about that is that his goals are all based on that. You know, if I can, uh, you know, I got more people I've got to help. I got to take care of my community, take care of my church, take care of my friends. The more I can give away, the more, the, the, the better I feel and the easier it is to go to work, right? And, but that's what his goal is. And he's always lived within his means. And so he's able to give away 20% of everything. I'm not telling you what your business is. I'm not telling you to give away money. I'm saying that uh, the gift of giving is a gift for you, not for them. Like, there is a reward and a positive feeling and a positive outlook on the community and life when you start giving away money. Um, you know, uh, don't be Mr. Scrooge your whole life. First job is though, you, you can't take care of others until you've taken care of yourself. Uh, regardless of what religion you're in, um, I'll tell you that my religion says take care of your family first, take care of your extended family second, and then take care of everybody else. And, and that's because if you can't take care of you, yourself and your friend, sorry, yourself and your family first, somebody else is going to have to take care of you. And so let's take care of ourselves. Let's get our, our finances right so that we can take care of others as well. And that's a big, super rewarding aspect of, of the basics of budgeting. Okay. Um, I'm happy to answer questions about this. You know, you can always email me, josh at legacymutual.com um, or you know, reply, like, share this. If it, if you think it would apply to you, your friends, your family, your coworkers, or a client of yours, I hope that you can get this information in their hands. Um, but I also find that a lot of people are quick to give the excuses of why they can't do this, not why they are doing it. A couple up top of my head to remove those excuses. You know, Josh, it's nice to think you can sit down once a month and pay all your bills at one time and reconcile everything at one time. But my car loan bill comes in on the 1st, my mortgage bill comes in on the 15th, and my credit card bill comes in on the 28th, okay? Um, mortgage companies all, for the most part, say it's due the 1st, late the 15th. So they could all be paid within the first 15 days of the month, not on a day of the month. Um, the interesting thing about car loans and credit cards, though, see if you actually call the company and you let them know when you're paid or when you'd like to make those payments, most of them will adjust the payment date. It just takes you getting on the phone and making a call. Again, this goes back to stop telling me why you can't do it. Start working on how you can. Um, and so, and also once you start getting healthy with your finances, nothing says you can't pay everything a month in advance or a week in advance so that even if your mortgage is due on the 15th or late the 15th of next month, if your car payment and credit card uh, payment are by the 28th of the previous month, you could pay all three of them that early date. So again, just start working on how to, not why you can't. Uh, second biggest thing I always hear is, well, every time I bring this up with my spouse, it's a fight. Well, don't make it a fight. It's usually not as much about the money. It's about the communication, right? So it's about getting on the same page and trying to understand both people's positions on it 
Um, you know, because everyone's position on money typically becomes, comes from a good or bad experience that they learned from their parents. So seek first to understand is the best advice I can give you. Um, don't be the domineering, drop the hammer saying, we will save, you will only spend blank. We will not buy that. Um, that's not healthy. That will not end well. Um, but if you want to budget, if you're the saver and your spouse is the spender, and you want to save, just remember that uh, you can attract more flies with honey. So bring some honey, you know, figure out ways for them to win. Uh, One thing I'm really clear about for personal spending, uh, I personally spend less per month than my wife and kids do when it comes to, you know, clothes or hair or whatever, you know, stuff that that aren't as valuable to me, right? Uh, And my reason for saying that out loud is that Part of the negotiation of the budget with your spouse to to get it to where you both agree to fall within the rules, you might have to give up a little bit, which isn't about being fair. It's about being on the same page and creating something you can both live within. And so that's probably another one to to kind of remove from your vocabulary. The third one is consistency counts. So you might all be hot and bothered right now to go out and say, you know what? You're right. I'm locked at home anyways for the next three weeks or five weeks or whatever. Um, Now's the time to finally sit down and do this. And so you sit down and do it once. The problem is if you don't set a recurring calendar event on your Outlook, on your smartphone, everyone has a smartphone, it seems like for Facebook, not for actual real tasks. Use it for what it is. Create alarms and reminders and calendar events, a recurring event so that you can't escape it. Uh, It pops up a reminder. Hey, it's the third Tuesday of the month. Honey, come on over here. Time to do a budget. That's what we agreed on. So pre-negotiate the conditions of when, where, how, why, why we're in it together to win it, what's in it for both of us. I would argue that no spouse uh, would disagree with you retiring, with both of you retiring way better off than you are today. If the end goal is for you guys to enjoy life today, but have the ability to enjoy that life for 80 years rather than run out of money in three most normal people will say, you know what? The the having a good life for 80 years sounds a lot better than having a good life for three. It's just a logical conversation. So don't allow the emotions to get the better of either of you. Um, anyways, I hope this really helps you. Uh, again, this is Josh Sigmund with Sigmund Sense. And while I'm alone and in this room by myself, I am hopefully reaching out to the world and saying, We're in this together. We're all in this to win it. I know a lot of people are suffering. I know a lot of people have lost their jobs and are furloughed. Um, And so for all of us, we need to be more uh, of a fiduciary and and take this savings and budgeting more seriously and as a responsibility, if not for you, because you've got that government job that's going to keep on paying so that we can take care of those around us. So God bless you. Take care of yours. Keep your hands clean. I'm going to start washing my face with Clorox. It'll dry out a little bit, but anyways, we'll catch you next time on Sigmund Sense. Take care.